What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. All right. Amen. Good evening. Those of you tuning with us online, I want to thank you guys for tuning with us as well. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We're so glad you joined with us online this evening. But what we want to do is invite you to join us on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here at 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. Or on a Sunday morning at 1030, we get with our Joy Church family at 1030 on Sunday morning. So... Or you can catch this online, which is what you're doing, obviously, if you're listening to this online this evening. So thank you guys so much for tuning with us, though, this evening. We hope to meet you and your family soon. All right, those of you here, welcome back. I was excited. You know, I started looking at what we're going to be talking about tonight, and I got a little nervous at first. Let's just be real. Because well, you're going to find out why as we get to it here tonight. But um, I'm like, God, where are we, uh, we going to go with this? So I had to be in some serious prayer time on how to do this this evening. But I believe that God has given me the way he would like it brought. And that's what we're going to roll with. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 2 again tonight. We're going to be picking up where we left off in verse 11. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a look at our key passage for the entire series coming out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. We talked about this one last week. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And if you were here last week, that passage ought to have a whole new meaning to you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and check out last week's message. But what you need to understand is a living stone in this case was a usable stone. And we talked about how God brought all of that together last week. So I'm not going to go back there because we got a lot to get to tonight. But I want to encourage you, if you want and if you missed it, maybe if you're online, you can go back and check that out on our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. So here we go. You guys ready? Buckle up your belts. We're going for a ride tonight. All right. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be picking up in verse 11 to start out it says dear friends i urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us Let's pray, because we got a ride tonight. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening, Lord. We thank you for those here, those that will be tuning online later. We just ask right now that, Jesus, you will enter into this service, enter this atmosphere. Holy Spirit, guide my words tonight. Speak your words through me that they would not be my own. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you ready? All right, here we go. So we start out with a passage talking about foreigners and exiles. Some translations say aliens and strangers. So, but what we need to understand here is that there is a thematic summary that Peter is getting at in these first couple of verses that we just took a look at here tonight. And 11 is divided into two parts. 11a Peter's talking about the present condition of Peter's audience. And we've talked about who his audience is. It's the Gentiles in Asia Minor. They believe in the Turkey region over there in Asia. And they believe they were mostly Gentiles. There could have been some Jews mixed in there. But the second part is in 11b, which is an exhortation to good behavior. And then the third part, and we're going to break these up more in a second. But the third part, the third part here is the purpose of the good behavior. Why do we behave good? That's in verse 12 right here. These verses play a critical role in what follows. Because there's a lot. Peter is setting up with these two verses the next couple of chapters at least. He's setting things up for what's getting ready to come down the pipeline. Christians should live exceptional lives in the midst of suffering because such behavior brings glory to God. That's why we do what we do, to bring glory to God, our Father. There's no other reason. See, that's where us Christians, we are, what you want, if you want to call it slaves to God, God bought us at a price, which was the blood of Jesus. We've talked about that over the last few weeks. Jesus' blood is the only reason that this guy talking to you tonight has any hope or future of heaven or even a purpose for that matter. Because if it wasn't for Christ's blood and what he did for me on the cross, you too, you too, if you're listening online, there's no hope. Adam's sin came down through the years onto all of us, and there's no hope. But God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us so that we would have that hope. Peter's exhortation to believers is to abstain from sin and live a virtuous life is grounded in the nature of their existence as foreigners and exiles. Check this out. So these people are actually foreigners and exiles as far as in the Roman Empire, and we're going to talk about that. This description does not refer to their pilgrimage from this life to the next. So it's not talking about that. Mm -mm. At least in the original context. Now, there may be a portion to that that might be true, but that's not what Peter's intent was here. He's not talking about, well, we're here for a while, and then we're gone. We're strangers in the world, and then we're gone. That's not what he's referring to. He's actually talking about the social status and situation of the people who he's writing this letter to. But to their particular social status as people without rights and without a permanent residence in the Roman Empire. They're strangers. They're aliens. They're foreigners, exiles, however you want to see it. They don't belong. 
and they're being persecuted. And, and we're going to talk. It's Nero. who it was the emperor, they believe, around this time. So we'll, we'll talk about more of that in here in just a minute. Those who are on the low end of the social scale need to be particularly exemplary in their behavior because for the smallest of matters, injustice can be meted out to them with no recourse to justice or power. What's he mean by that? He's wanting to emphasize to these people because most of them are poor. That you need to have good behavior because for the slightest thing that they don't like about you, they will persecute you, they will kill you, and they won't think twice about it because you're on the low end of the scale. To them, you're just another life, right? But as strangers and foreigners, where's the hope? In Jesus, right? The answer is always Jesus. In Jesus. Peter doesn't want this group to exclude of excluded Christians to provide any basis whatsoever for those above them to persecute them or accuse them of improper behavior. Now, we had a group known as the Zealots in this time, and there's a reason they're no longer there, right? The Zealots, if you're not familiar with them, those are the ones that would kill in the name of God. If need be. Now, we're not talking about there's a time for war, there's a time for peace. We're talking about guys that would lash out, and their goal was to overtake Rome, and they would kill. We found out Barabbas, he was a zealot, killed a Roman soldier because they believed that the Messiah, when he came, was coming to conquer. And so, with that mindset, they approached the Romans. Well, that behavior is why they're not there anymore because we're to love. As hard as it can be sometimes. Now, there is a time for those other things, but we're not in that. There's a whole different sermon tonight. Peter wants them to live an exemplary, exemplary life to provide an attractive alternative to the pagan way of life. You notice what he said here in these verses. Live such, this is verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans. That's the people that aren't saved that are living like it, right? That though they accuse you of doing wrong... They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In other words, you need to be acting right for the pagan's sake so that they can see something in you that draws them to God. We talk about that all the time, only we say, you know, you know, witness or how do you word it? Do what you can. Sometimes use words. Tell people about Jesus. So your actions What's the old saying? Action speaks louder than words. A lot of people are talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. And people aren't stupid. They can figure these things out. They know when you're fake, and they know when you're real. That's why you need to be sincere when you're approaching these people, especially in God's standard and way of life. So he wants to give them an alternative. And the way they're going to know of the alternative is by living the life that God would have them to live. The prohibition reflects the typical Pauline theme of the war between the flesh and the spirit. That war is always there. Well, where does Paul talk about that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 5 and 6. Now, for the sake of time, we're going to jump around a little bit, but I encourage you to read the whole chapter. There's a lot of good stuff. Read the whole book. There's a lot of good stuff in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. 
But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. He jumped down to verse 8. He even goes on to say, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Jumping down to 14, he says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. Now, why do we look at all of that? Because if you are a born-again believer, you need to have control of your flesh. What do you mean by that? Well, one way, before you were born again, you lived one way. Once you received Christ, that all changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, is it, Ed? Where it talks about old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you became born again, you walked away from that life. That's not saying you're going to be perfect, but what that is saying, your desires are different. Before you had the, the passions and desires of the flesh, now you have the passions and the desires of God. If you are truly a born again believer. So if you're living in the flesh, here's how you can figure out if you're born again or not. If you're living for your flesh, there's a good chance you're not. If you're living for the spirit, there's a good chance you are, right? Now, only you and God can determine that, but I'm just telling you, these are things you need to look for. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We just talked about that. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So there's just a few examples. There's more of where God, well, Paul tells us to take, watch your flesh. Keep your flesh out of the picture. Crucify is what he said here. Crucify your flesh. Get rid of it. Move on for God. Peter urges his readers to deny themselves the temporary pleasures of indulging in physical, sinful passions because those impulses prevent, prevent them from living a spiritual life. Amen? Oh, me. Now, if you're an oh, or that means we might have some stuff to think about tonight. But if you're an amen or you know that God's speaking tonight, so be it. Amen, right? Amen. If they live godly, blameless lives in their hostile environment, then even if the pagans accuse them of doing bad things. Anybody ever been falsely accused of something? Hmm. We see a lot of that nowadays, don't we? Hmm. They will be able to see the good behavior of the Christians, and that very behavior will become a source of judgment against the unbelieving world. Now, the type of accusations it's talking about here tonight is when the world's accusing you of things, and you know you didn't do them. Anybody, anybody come to mind? I know some people, but I'm not going to go there. They accuse them of things that they haven't done. Popular people, right? Or even us, maybe you, in your own life, you've been accused. I mean, we just talked about Joseph, right? Got accused of having an affair, <laughs> committing adultery with Potiphar's wife. Did he do it? Nope. Had to spend some time in prison, but through that, God raised him up, right? So what we need to do is live lives with such good behavior that when the world goes to accuse us of those things, they don't have a, what is the word I'm looking for, a foundation to build upon. Because your lifestyle says otherwise. Let's keep going there in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's where we're going to get to some sticky waters. All right? Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. 
whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now, that's straightforward, right? NIVs, I like that wording there. They're they're a little bit straightforward there tonight. So, anybody find out why I was sweating a little bit? We're going to talk about submitting to some authority tonight. And it even gets as specific here in a minute to talk about government authority. All right? And so right here, this is the first part of what what Peter has set up. He set up the government authority and that submission. He's going to talk about submission from masters and slaves, submissions from husbands to wives. All of that's coming down the pipeline as the coming weeks progress. But Peter begins with an exhortation of submission. And he explains why believers should be doing good and includes a pattern of submission. So the exhortation of submission is found in 13 and 14. And in verse 15, he talks about why you should be doing good. And he gives us a pattern of submission to go why. So if you're going for points here tonight, point number one is this. Peter exhorts them to submit to the governing authorities. Now this verse... And verses around it have been twisted all out of whack in the world you're living in. And the sad part is there are pastors and ministers using this verse and twisting it to say something it's not saying. And that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. The submission he is speaking of is a form of abstaining from fleshly desires and showing good behavior that will influence those observing we talked about that a minute so he's kind of repeating himself so when he's repeating himself he's trying to get a message across you need to be living lives that are so good and evidence of good that people can't accuse you of things even if they try so another way or the word submit here let's talk about that the very first word there as we broke in verse 13 where it says submit yourselves for the lord's sake to every human authority The word submit is a compound verb from the Greek words hypo, which means under, and tasso, meaning to order, place, or appoint. Well, let's talk about the Greek then. Well, let's word it another way. Here's a couple of ways. One way you could say is to order oneself under or according to a given relationship or, even a simpler one, to live according to the governmental order. Mm. Now, we're going to talk about God's governmental order here in just a minute. Because it's not man's, it's God's. And it's a little bit different. And man, it seems like, especially when you look at these people and how they're living, they don't get the governmental order of God. We're going to talk about it. Clearly here, the notion of submitting to the government is is secondary to obeying God and to doing his will because this group of subjects, or the church, are free. Paul talks about it, and I I was trying to find the verse, and I I looked over it when I was first studying, and I didn't write it down, so then I couldn't find it, so I'm just going to tell you. Paul talks about this type of stuff even in his letters where he talks about he doesn't, he's not under the law anymore. He's under God's authority. That's that born-again thing that we've talked about. Even though the Christians are foreigners and exiles, the way it worded here in the text, they are to live in the order that God has ordained. What are we talking about? See, a lot of people would like to 
tell you that this means you better do whatever the government tells you to do. And that's not what this verse is telling you at all. But there's people, they have an agenda, and they're telling people this and deceiving many people. But you need to understand something. Even though the Christians are foreigners and exiles, they are to live in the order that God has ordained. What is God's ordained order? Well, let's talk about it. Here's what Galatians tells us in chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. There's a whole, and this is another message for another time, but there is a whole message that could almost go on for days. I've heard preachers talk about this, of reaping and sowing, reaping and sowing. When you reap something, that's what you're going to sow. If you reap evil, you're going to, or if you sow evil, you're going to reap evil. I think I was saying it backwards there. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8 says, whoever sows to please their flesh, there's that flesh thing again. From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So there's a whole other order of God's order. God's governmental order says this, and we just talked about it. You reap what you sow. We just said that. If you're sowing... Well, I'm trying to think of an example, but it's not coming to me. So let's say you walk into a store, and let's go, let's go small, right? You steal a pack of bubble gum. You have just sowed theft. So you will reap from what you just sowed, however that be. All right? I don't want to give any examples because then I'll leave something out, and nobody will be like, oh, you didn't get mine, right? For Peter, the entire church... And the entire church, sorry, that word submit does not imply total obedience. For the Israelites and the early Christians participated in civil disobedience when the demands of society overrode the demands of the Lord. I like that. So give us some examples. Well, I can give you some examples. One, I'll give you one right from the text. Okay, here's an example. So, The demands of society, you go back to Moses when he was a baby, when he was born. Pharaoh said, kill all the babies, right? The, uh, what do they call them? The the ladies that deliver. Midwives, yes. The midwives were supposed to kill it, but for some reason, when Moses was born, they didn't. They hid him for three months. For three months. So the demands of society said, kill it. Ooh, that sounds like today. Let's just kill the babies, right? That's what we call abortion. That's a sacrifice. Bible talks about that. Don't let anybody tell you they don't. Anytime they were sacrificing children in the Bible, they were killing babies. We're doing it in America right now. And it's legal. But not in every state. Praise the Lord for Texas, Arkansas, and I don't know all the states, but the ones that are getting behind saying no. As soon as this other law is overturned, we won't go specifics tonight. As soon as it's overturned, it will be illegal in our state. But Texas just, I think it was Texas, they just passed a law that says that you can no longer abort a child after their first heartbeat. It is killing. It's the same thing. The first heartbeat, that's early on. 
Ten days, one said. <sighs> when did we get to this place where it was okay to murder? This is, I think, one of the biggest things in America that breaks God's heart. Babies. Now, maybe you're one of those that's had the process done and you're sorry for it and you've repented. Fine, God has forgiven you. But what you need to understand, because that's our God. That's a God. He's a God of grace. He, he forgives. But we should not be legalizing any of this because we're no different than Baal. And what's the other guy? It starts with an M. I don't remember his name. One of the false guy. Malik. That's what I was going to say. But they, they, we're no different than them if we're sacrificing kids. I know it's a touchy subject, but you need to understand why the church believes this is murder of the highest degree. What Jesus say? He said, do not murder. But he's talking about if you affect one of these little ones, you might as well tie an anchor around your foot and throw yourself in the river. There is forgiveness. I don't want to give. There is forgiveness through Jesus' blood. There is grace. So don't condemn yourself. Maybe you've already done it. You wish you hadn't. Don't condemn yourself. God's still there with open arms, ready to take you in, forgiven. And know this, the child is in his hands. You'll see him again. For Peter, the entire church and the entire church, submit does not imply total obedience. This is one example we gave Moses. Let's look at one in Acts. Now, there are other examples, but for the sake of time tonight, I'm not going to look at all of them. Acts 4. And Peter is one of these guys that's talking here in a minute. And he's the one that wrote this letter, right? Acts 4, 18 to 20, it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Here's another example of the government, in this case the religious leaders, overstepping their boundaries. Verse 19 says, But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. These are supposed to be the religious leaders. Their answer better be God, right? Listen to God. They know this. This is why they're caught here. As for us, here's Peter talking and John, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Because we're born again and believers, we're no longer under man's authority. We're under God's. However, we're going to talk about the submission here. We're getting to it. See, there's a lot to cover. That's why I said we need to get started. Peter wants Christians to live according to every sort of governmental order to avoid chaos. Because where there's no order, you saw it last summer. In this world, where there's no order, there's chaos. That doesn't mean you bow down when they overstep and cross God's laws. What that means is you submit to authority to avoid the chaos. Because man, if you let them go far enough, they'll start riots. They'll do. We saw it. And even if they're doing it in the name of God, it's not good. God's not that. He's a God of peace. How do I know? Well, check out 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Here's what it says. For God is not a God of disorder. Well, some people didn't even know that was in the Bible. Check this out. But of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. 
if you supported the mess that was going on last summer, you better check yourself. God told you specifically, this was Paul talking to the Corinthians church. He said, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. That's what Jesus preached, peace. We're going peace. As in, what did he say? I thought this was a powerful statement. As in all the congregation of the Lord's people. If you're truly claiming you're a congregation of God, then you're about peace. You're not about disorder and chaos because that's not the God we serve. Jump down to verse 40. It goes even further. It says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Now, right before this, the verse was talking about speaking in tongues, prophecy, and different things. And he's saying, okay, that's all good to have. However, it should be done in order. It's not just run around and do stupid stuff because what that's going to do to the person that comes into your church, I understand you're filled with the Spirit and you just want to holler and shout. Believe me, I get it. When you get filled with the Spirit, there's not much you can, well, you got control. Let's do it. You've got control. Let Let me rephrase that. You have control over that, but when you're running around crazy, I've seen people walk out of churches for less. Do you think that was God's will? If a lost person entered your church and was chaos going on and they left, no. There is a time, there is a place for that. We're not saying it's bad. What we're saying is it's got to be done in order because God's order is what brings people, draws people to him. So understand that good conduct honors God. Good conduct honors God. I.H. Marshall, here's a quote. He says, What starts off then as apparently a lesson in political passivity culminates in an injunction to take an active role in society. What? Yes. You know the way we're going to take this world back? If you've been called to something in politics and you're a believer, you better get on it. Leaders. We need Christian leaders in those positions. Now, as far as I know right now, I've not been called any of that. But if you have, you need to step into place. It's just like we talked about last week or the week before. I don't remember when we were talking about your puzzle, your piece of the puzzle. If it's not in place, there's other pieces that can't connect either because you're out of place. So if God has called you to be involved, the only way we do is we got to take an active role in politics. That's a man law. Separation of church and state. Man made that. That wasn't God. That's not in your scripture. Let me just throw that out there. However, point number two this evening. Peter explains why they should be doing good. Here's what he talks about. They should submit to various levels of governing authorities because in so doing, their behavior will silence their accusing ignorance. Or, yes, ignorance. If the date of this letter is correct... And it was early 60s B.C. that this was written. The governor at the time was Nero. And if you're familiar with history, he was nuts. Let's just say that. And he persecuted the church. He birthed the temple. He done all kinds of things. I've heard stories of Christians burned alive, different things happening. He hated 
Christians. The persecution they're facing, we haven't seen nothing yet here. But understand something. What Peter's getting at is he still tells them to submit to authority so that their good behavior will draw others in. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. It says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. And if the emperor was Nero and the things he was doing, and he was nuts. Read history. He was crazy. And Peter's still saying honor him. What's he talking about? Here Peter cites a condition for submission in verse 16. And then he repeats his exhortation in both general and specific categories in verse 17. So point three tonight, if you're writing down points. Peter gives a condition for submission. Martin Luther, the reformer, you may be familiar with him, maybe you're not. If not, then Martin Luther, one of the reformers, he said a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. Those were powerful words, I thought. What's he saying there? Yeah, you're free of the man's laws. But we are to submit and serve others, right? That's what Jesus called us to do. Remember Jesus? The guy we talked about a few weeks ago who left heaven, inconvenienced himself so that we could have a chance at life. And we talked about the next time you feel inconvenienced by something the Holy Spirit tells you to do, remember what Jesus did. He was on the throne. He was living good. But he left for us and for others. So while we are free people, we are still servants. That's the crazy thing about a Christian, right? And that's the toughest thing to get. Christians should choose to be orderly. The governing authorities were there and had to be obeyed to a certain degree. But such allegiance was secondary to their submission to the Lord. Lord is first then the authorities of the world. That's how it works. Galatians chapter 6. We didn't finish this, verses 9 and 10. Here's what he said. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And I understand it gets weary sometimes in waiting. But we can't get weary in doing good because in due season, we'll reap. What did he say? If we faint not, or in this translation, don't give up. Continue. In spite of a tyrant for an emperor, Peter exhorts Christians to live under the orders of the day as free men, for the sake of the Lord and their security. One, he was trying to save him some persecution. We talked about that. But two, 
you're bringing glory to God with your behavior. They shouldn't be able to accuse you because you should be living a good life as a believer. However, as we said, governing authorities come in second to God's authority. So if it's against God's law, guess what? Speak up. This not, this isn't right. We gave some examples tonight. It's not right. You got to speak up. You got to speak up. I want to go ahead and dismiss those of you that are tuning with us online this evening. We thank you so much for joining us this evening. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, your journey starts there. You simply ask. You say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And the good news is it doesn't take all those words. That's one way to do it. But if you believe he came, he died, and he rose, James says you shall be saved. So it's not about the words. It's about your change, your heart. You're asking, you're receiving him into your heart. But those words are there. If you're playing to receive Christ tonight, I want to say congratulations. If you meant it from the bottom of your heart, welcome to God's family. I want to give you one more tool. Go to our website, nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. In the upper left corner, click on the menu button. There'll be a drop box that drops down. Go all the way to the right side. Click on the link that says the road to new life. Takes you to a separate website that I created in college. If you would like more information about this salvation thing and why we need it, follow each page in order. There are six pages. Took me about ten minutes. It just depends on how fast you read. At the very bottom, there's a contact form. There's a prayer similar to the one I just prayed in case maybe you haven't received yet and you'd like to know how to pray. But there's a contact form at the bottom of the page. comes directly to my email, trentoncruz at yahoo.com. I would love to know you received Christ this evening, and I would like to celebrate with you. Your next step is you need to find you a good church home that is discipling, and you need to be baptized, following in Jesus' footsteps. Thank you so much for tuning online. God bless. We'll see you next week.